millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and let me reference a call uh, that we've had this morning and this relates to a call that we got yesterday morning from Kira, one of our listeners who was uh, asked us to put a plea out because she lost her mobile phone. She had been in a taxi at the weekend on Sunday and uh, that she picked up on the Grand Parade and then when she got home or wherever she was going she discovered oh, I've left the phone and she was convinced she'd left it behind in the taxi so we put a shout out to taxi drivers if they could please check the back seat of their cars to see if we could find Kira's phone for her and thankfully a taxi man was listening he put the shout out around other taxi drivers because I was fearful early yesterday morning that maybe if the taxi men were working late they might still be in bed anyway the good news is that Kira has the taxi man found her phone and he has very kindly returned it to Kira so thank you to everybody who helped out and got involved in that yesterday and yesterday I was also referencing because we got some calls in about the fuel allowance and was the fuel allowance finished for this year and we checked it out and yes people got a payment of the fuel fuel allowance last week and that was the last payment for this uh, season well there is a little bit of uh, good news if for anyone listening who does receive a fuel allowance because householders are expected to receive an additional three weeks payment for the fuel allowance there's also talk today of that and gas on electricity that'll be temporarily cut it won't be removed but it will be cut and it looks like the government obviously all of these plans have been brought before the government to try to tackle what now everyone is talking about the high cost of living. Now seemingly a government meeting was held yesterday evening to discuss plans to particularly tackle an increase in energy costs and of course the increase in energy costs is leading to soaring inflation. Ministers agreed on targeted supports for those on the fuel allowance and what is expected expected to be announced is an additional three weeks payment which will be worth 99 euro now there's talks it's going to be paid in a lump sum rather than people who get fuel allowance getting the 33 euro over the next three weeks so as to when that lump sum will come in the devil is going to be in the detail on that and there is about 370,000 households that receive a fuel allowance who will be getting that additional 99 euro now ministers also planning this a temporary reduction of VAT on gas and electricity. Now, what are they looking at at the moment? VAT on gas and electricity is set at 13.5%. They're talking about reducing that to 9%. And of course, when we hear all these cuts, what people want to know is how much extra is it going to mean? How much is it going to remove from a gas bill and from an electricity bill? So the gas bill 
they reckon about 49 euro a year will come off the gas bill and for electricity bills about 61 euro a year and if you break down the electricity bill we get it every two months so about a tenner every two months will come off your electricity bill as a direct result of just a temporary reduction in a VAT. Uh, of course, there had been fears that any move to reduce VAT on fuel temporarily would mean that when the situation returned to normal, Ireland would lose what we have as an existing derogation within the EU, which allows us to have a lower level of VAT on fuel. Our VAT is at 13, as I say, 13.5%, but we have a derogation from the EU that allows us to set VAT on fuel at that. It, if we had, if we lost that and then we would lose the derogation, it would mean when the good times are back, and please God, that'll be sooner rather than later, it would mean VAT would go back to 23%, which no one would want to uh, tolerate. So it seems the ministers have looked at the, what they can and can't do, and they have been told that it is possible to temporarily lower the rate through domestic legislation and it won't affect that derogation from the EU because there'd been much talk about the Taoiseach going to the EU and asking for permission to lower the VAT on fuel and on electricity with everybody saying but if they do that but they lose the derogation so it seems they've looked at their own statute books and it is possible to temporarily lower it without going to the EU. Now the government is hoping that the VAT cut then will offset the planned increase in the carbon tax so the carbon tax is still going ahead and we heard that last week that the carbon tax would go ahead but they would do something to offset it so this is the proposal that they have on the table. Now, the coalition have estimated that the carbon tax, which is due to increase on the 1st of May on home heating, will amount to rises of no more than €1.40 a month on a gas bill and €1.50 a month if you're buying home heating oil. And that'll be from the 1st of May. And a source close to the government said increasing also, they're also looking at increasing a tax-free gift allowance that employers can give to staff. At the moment, employers can give give staff €500 and that was why Christmas some businesses now not all businesses but some businesses gave a gift of they often gave gift vouchers but they couldn't give any more than €500 and if they did try to give more than €500 then there would be tax implications so the government are looking at increasing that to 500 from €500 to €1000 and that would be a way for employers to I suppose help out employees with the the cost of living the public service obligation Levy, the, P, the PSO levy that everybody hates pl- paying, that's placed on energy bills regardless of how much electricity you use. You have to pay this PSO uh, levy. That's due to be scrapped. Now, we're going to have a wait on that. It's expected not to come in until the autumn. It's charged to, on all electricity come customers with suppliers collecting the levy through the bills and then they return it to the government and the levy at the moment is €4.30 excluding that but that's per month so if you look at that if they do get rid of that it's about 60 odd euro a year inclusive of that is what will come off your electricity bill and listen we it doesn't sound like a lot but we'll take every little bit that we can other options that the cabinet are exploring is including mandatory time of day pricing for electricity and that's obviously to encourage people to change their energy use and to try to use it at times when the costs would be uh, cheaper the overall package of measures likely to be brought to Cabinet tomorrow. As with all of these measures, they get leaked well in advance and by the time the 
they're announced people go should we not hear about that last week so it'll be tomorrow before they officially sign off on it and before we can officially say that yes this is coming into being the Thetic says the measures will be targeted and they are very much looking at targeting supports on lower incomes hence I think the reason why the extra 99 euros people on fuel allowance that's definitely a targeted uh, measure Uh, work according to the papers today also underway on the information campaign which is going to advise all of us members of the general public on how to change our household behaviours and how we can cut the cost of our own bills. Now that's something we've been talking about for a few weeks. That's the notion that they're going to run an information campaign. We'll probably have ads running here on the radio station telling us all to have the three minute shower, the quicker shower, get out of the shower quicker, uh, boil only one cup. If you're only having one cup of tea or one cup of coffee, just measure the cup of coffee, measure the amount of water that you would need for the cup of coffee in your kettle. Don't be filling that kettle up and they'll be talking things about taking, what was it, one less car journey a week if you normally take the car out every day one day a week they'll be asking us to cycle to walk or if you've the luxury of public transport in your area to use that instead so work seemingly is underway on that campaign we will await to hear those there'll be probably TV, radio and newspaper ads and we'll see what way they're worded but it looks like it's going to be things like that tips on how we can all save money on our fuel bills needless to say the opposition members aren't all too happy with what has been leaked out from the government Sinn Féin's finance spokesperson Piers Doherty he I mean the Sinn Féin party have been calling on the government for quite some time to introduce an emergency budget but the coalition partners have all said no there isn't going to be an emergency uh, budget we're not going to not have another budget until October Sinn Féin are saying it's the only way that you can put targeted measures in place to support low and middle income earners Piers Doherty is calling on the government to remove the excise duty from home eating or and he says they should go negotiate with the European Commission to reduce VAT on domestic energy bills. He says the cost of living cash payments, or he's also saying we should have some kind of cost of living cash payments should be introduced and the fuel allowance should be extended by three weeks. When he's getting half of that, it looks like it's going to be, um, he's saying six weeks, it looks like it will be three weeks. And Sinn Féin are also saying social welfare rates should be increased for the most vulnerable in response to inflation. Of course, the only way that they could reading increased social welfare would be with a mini budget but that certainly is not on the cards but certainly it looks like there's a bit of good news for people on fuel allowance it'll be an extra 99 euro which will equate to three full weeks of the payment and then for everybody else a cut in the gas the vat on gas and electricity they're going a little bit I know a lot of people will say with the high cost of electricity bills at the moment will it make much of a difference Martin on the rising cost of fuel and in particular the rising cost of electricity says hi Patricia if solar panels and batteries were mass produced for domestic use uh, they would be much cheaper and then affordable on a much bigger scale if we could do that there'd be less dependence on oil and therefore cheaper fuel bills for all. The solar panels would have to be produced on a vast scale in order to reduce the dependence on oil. We need to be really thinking yeah, outside of the box and going for more renewable sources of energy. You are so right, Martin. Thank you for that. And then Trish and Backpool, this is on the rising cost of living and everybody noticing that everything has gone up in price. Trish has two small dogs that need to be regularly wormed. She's a responsible pet owner and looking after her little doggies. Uh, She said, 
It usually cost five euro each for the two dogs. You went along to buy the latest dose to discover they've gone up from five euro to nine euro eighty each, almost doubled in price. Now she accepts that there are probably cheaper versions out there, but this particular brand of warmer works for her dogs. Doesn't make her sick. Doesn't make them sick, and she really doesn't want to mess around with maybe going for a cheaper brand that mightn't work as effectively any, anyway. But she's just wondering how can they justify an item going up almost double in price? And she was also buying something it's like a small toothpaste or toothbrush for the dogs it's something that they chew on they used to be one euro each and they've now increased to 180 each and she's just you know everything's but everything is going up in price absolutely everything is going up in, in price you know they point to fuel costs and delivery costs but even production costs have gone up so there's just just a knock on down along the line but what we all have a tendency to find is to find is that when prices increase and they seem to go up and up and up and then when things start to level out they don't seem to come down as quickly and one wonders will they ever say Trish for example the warmer will it ever return to that price of five euro but to double in price seems really expensive indeed and then we had Mary in Mill Street who was on to us to say she was in a cafe in the city last week and there was prices you know up on a notice board and when she went to pay for her items the prices she was charged was different to the prices that was up on the notice board so she said she was going to ask and say sorry what's going on on here and she pointed out sorry it says up there such and such an item is such and such a price but you're charging me more and whoever was serving I don't know if it was the owner worker in the cafe said oh yeah sorry prices have gone up we haven't had a chance to change the board uh, yet but Mary reckons that those prices have been there since Christmas and she doesn't know when the prices went up and she's now wondering is it illegal to have prices displayed on a board when in fact the prices are higher and well, I suppose that would come under some kind of consumer laws it probably isn't legal uh, to do it but I'm so slow to be critical of and I don't know what size cafe it was but particularly that hospitality sector who have struggled so hard during the pandemic and many of them continue to struggle because they've got all the rising costs as well but they're struggling as well with staff and if it's a case of the notice board hasn't been changed it could be down to a staffing issue so I'm just I'm always slow to be very critical of businesses uh, like that but is it illegal? (laughs) Probably, yeah. If you check out consumer laws, they probably state that the prices that are on the board uh, should be the prices that you are actually charged. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Three picnic benches were set on fire in the early hours of Saturday morning in the regional park in Ballancolic with one bench damaged beyond repair. To try to work out why and how we can stop these acts of vandalism, I'm joined by Tom Butler and Tom is chairperson of the Balancholic Tidy Towns. Uh, good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, Patricia. How are you keeping? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for joining us on the programme. Now, for all the work volunteers put in with Tidy Towns, is it soul-destroying for you when something like this happens, Tom? It, it most certainly is. I think that um, we have... Um, we have an, an amazing amenity there in Balancholic with the regional park. It is spectacular 134 acres um, something you don't really have in too many places the footfall in there is 
it's huge. The, up to a million people use it in, in 2021. And you have families that use this park for picnics and everything else. And then you have this comes along and does this. It is... So it is so destroying. It is yeah, demoralising. Yeah, I was thinking of families, you know, as you say, families having picnics. How do you explain that to small children when you're walking through a park? You know, um, Daddy, Mammy, what happened to that bench? It's just, it, it's, it really is, is dreadful. When were you alerted to the damage? I, I, was, I was told on, on uh, first thing the next morning. Um, I got a, I got a, a, photo, a phone photograph from... Um, and a call from a message from Cafe Chico and from Margaret and to tell me. And you know, if you look at it and you get a you get a this sinking in your heart and say, Why? You know, that's the one question. It's a vast area. Um I suppose you know, Patricia, you said there about families. Like whoever is responsible for this, we don't know who they are. But you know, we, we did a piece in our our website recently where we just hope that you know that these people, when, whoever doing this, in years to come, they are going to be the ones who are going to be down there with their families yeah. and have these amenities. And you you wonder what is in their brains that they go and do something like this, because the items that are done in the park, whether it's the tree planting and everything else, they're not done for our generation. They're done for the next generation and the generation afterwards. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And I'm assuming locals. What, what, what must be discussed as well? How do they? How do locals react when this happens? Well, they they, they are they are you know you always get people who will say you know they need the council aren't doing enough. They they pull in CCTV or the guards aren't doing enough. This is not. You can't. There is no way of apportioning blame to anybody in any of this. People are disgusted. But, you know, people, somebody out there knows who did this and they should just go to the, to the authorities and tell them. Like the, the city council and the, pre, the county council previously have done tremendous work down there. The Gardaí are down there regularly keeping an eye on the place. You can't put in CCTV to because we we saw what happened there with Limerick recently where CCTV is, there's, there's issues with it. And it's such a vast park. How do you put CCTV on 30, 134 acres? Yeah, because I saw the Lord Mayor Colin Keller calling for for CCTV cameras to be installed. And while, you know, I, I know his intentions are good and, and I know where he's coming from. But I, I did think that in 134 acres, how can you possibly have enough CCTV cameras, even if you were allowed to do it? Yeah, yeah you, you couldn't. And, you know, the, the thing about it is there's so many... Like I know the Lord Mayor's, I know that I know that the, the thought is right, but you, you you have no matter what you do, it, you know it, we won't even tempt fate. It, you know it could be a, a, a fire within the woods at another stage. You know, you know there's there's so many different ways things can happen, and you can't you can't control that. And there are so many entrances in and out of the park that people can get in and out of. Mm. How do you control that? I think people just need to be more aware. And people need to be, you know, I think people have to have that civic pride more than anything else. And, you know, I don't know, it's frustrating. You know, what do we do? Do we sit there 24-7? You can't. Uh, can't. And, and, And it's not possible. And then people need to be brave enough to stand up when they see something happening to say stop. And have there been other incidents of vandalism in the park or is this isolated? You know, this 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 trait of, of burning benches um, has has been going on for a while, 
And in fairness to Cork City Council, they, they had, like, the benches that were destroyed have been made with recycled um, materials, which was fantastic. And But they've had to change other other benches and over to metal. Ah, they're stone slabs. It'll be next. And there's nothing like, there's nothing quite like a nice wooden bench. And to make it out of recycled material, even better. Exactly, and these were these were beautiful. They, they could sit a family of eight or ten at them, you know, which was you know would be a large circular uh, unit. Sit down, enjoy, and you will if you go down to that park on a, on a, a summer's evening or a Saturday or Sunday, you will see families there, and they're all sitting down around it, having their picnic and having their chat, and that's that's what it, that's what these amenities are for. Yeah, well, like we're coming into a bank holiday weekend and, you know, hopefully the weather will be nice and that's exactly a time where the park will be really, really busy. How quickly, Tom, do you think the benches will be replaced? Well, that is down to Cork City Council and I have to give them great credit, Patricia, and it's not, and it's not being any bit um, condescending or uh, blowing them up or anything. They are excellent at looking after the park and they will look at now and see, I presume they will sit back, look, and see what's the best option to do here, um, and they will come up with a, with a solution for it. So it's time, you, you can't put a time on it because they took a bit of time to get the, the, the other ones changed over to metal, but they've made a difference. Okay. So maybe they'll, they'll just review this again and see what they'll do. But, you know, they're definitely committed to the park, and they will be committed um, to making sure that, that it is back to where where it was. Yeah, Eddie is suggesting they should install hidden cameras around the park, particularly around areas like that, around uh, the benches. Yeah, you see, the problem I have is if I think there's a, I don't know the full in the notes of the legal side of it, but if if you if people are uh, caught, then I think there is. But there's GDP. There is GDP. Now I know that there's talks of that being changed under this yep. circular economy bill, uh, which is due to go before the Dáil. I think it's actually this week. The sooner that goes before the Dáil and that gets sorted out, the better, so that oh, gotcha. so that we can, if we catch people with acts of vandalism, that they can actually be caught. You know, and, for, and that that would be a very positive move because then you could do it, and you could, as you say, there's you can put in COVID cameras there yeah. very easily. You don't have to cover the whole place. They're more you're you're more pinpointing specific areas where there are risks. And Camille, tell me a little bit about the Balancholic Tidy Towns. Are you a large group? Are you a very active group? Well, we yeah, we thankfully we are we are an active, very active group. We would we we meet um, at the moment. We're 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 going to, to fifty two weeks a year. We don't stop. Um, we've we've got we've got uh, nine gold medals from over the years in the Tidy Towns, and we would be. Um, active out this year again. Now we're, we're um, every Sunday morning. We could have anything to thirty-four, between twenty-five and thirty-five volunteers out every Sunday morning. Oh, fantastic! I, I listen. I'm always singing the praises of tidy towns volunteers because I mean you're picking up other people's litter and tidying up and trying to make the area that you live beautiful. It's a it's real civic pride at it at its very very best. So well done to everybody involved. Listen, Thank Tom, we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks Thank for joining us. Good morning. Bye-bye. That is Tom Butler, chairperson of Balancholic uh, Tidy Towns. And please, if anybody is around that beautiful regional park in Balancholic and you see anything untoward, please, please uh, intervene. And I know it can, you can be very, you've got to be very brave uh, to do it. But And if anybody knows anything about what happened and who's responsible responsible for the burning of those uh, picnic benches please come forward 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text you can whatsapp to 0862
103 103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Filthy, often illegible road signs throughout Cork County are confusing tourists and can potentially create danger. Many, unfortunately, have been defaced over the last two years with anti-COVID lockdown graffiti and others are completely hidden by overgrown foliage. So to discuss what the council plan to do about our road signs, I'm joined by Fine Gael councillor uh, Kevin Murphy. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. Have our road signs ever been in such a bad condition or is it just, I seem to be noticing everywhere I'm going. Absolutely. Uh, they're in very poor condition um, over the last, over several years in actual fact. And uh, I think uh, it behoves us to have those cleaned up properly and to have them visible, which is a, if a very, very important for road users. And number one are safeguards, those who use the roads, and certainly a division itself is, if it's blurred and people know where they're going to, it certainly is very, very poor for Cork County Council. Yeah, and you know, I, I think it, and it's okay for those that are driving on roads that we know well, our own local uh, yeah. roads. But I was out at the weekend and I was travelling behind and it was an English registered car. And you could see as we were, and we were in quite rural roads, you could see as they were approaching junctions, I was saying this guy doesn't know, doesn't know where, where he's going. And that's what really drew my attention to some of the road signs. I mean, we're coming into probably, you know, the busy tourist season. Easter hopefully is going to be a great busy time for everybody in the, in the tourist sector. It's more important than ever that we get these road signs right. It is. It is, absolutely. And um, I, I've, I've kind of um, took, it, took it in my stride for a number of years that, you know, we do bit by bit, we clean up the signs and um, improve, the, improve the actual visual part of it, trimming around them with a hedge trimmer or whatever it has to be and making sure there's no sign that's not quite visible. That's impossible for the size of Cork County to get them all done pretty quickly. But what was worse, uh, Patricia, as you pointed out at the beginning, was that the defacing of those particular signs, uh, major, major big signs in particular in my locality, the Kinsale, Bandon, uh, and the tourist attractions out the tourist area out in Gallatstone and, and further afield, have been ruined by this, these clones that are out at the moment. And, uh, um, you know, defacing all those particular ones would internally and COVID scam and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely defaced all the, 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 the signposts out there and now we have a job of cleaning them up. Have you ever, have you any understanding what that defacing of the road signs with the graffiti was all about? Well, seemingly um, we were told at the beginning that the, that the, the, the yeah, they were, were looking seriously into it and I think eventually that there was some person who was no, who um, was arrested I think and um, and had to face had to face the court. I'm not too sure exactly oh, okay. what happened. Yeah. And I have no idea. We have to, we have we had one or two people who were caught, uh, and rightly so. Um, so it was it was it was a, a, a small number of people involved with it. A small number. Of people. Uh, I think a rent, you know a rent a crowd or something that way. Yeah, know. yeah. But and uh, of course, the, it, it to me, I've I've seen those of them. There's some kind of a, a spray paint that's going to take more than just going out with a bucket of soapy water to wash it oh, off. Oh, yeah. And no question about that. Uh, the, what I say to you is that um, I, I, I brought this up, as I said, a long time ago when the COVID started off. It wasn't long when, when we were inside COVID uh, the beginning, I suppose it's almost two years ago now. And all of a sudden we found a whole heap of signs which were the, the you know, the, the the COVID danger signs as such, you know. Um, very expensive signs, all 8 by 4s and that kind of stuff. 
and they were absolutely ruined over about three or four weekends. Um, and the whole place looks so grotty and so it does, yeah. it looks dreadful. Look, it looks dreadful. Yeah. It really looks dreadful. And then for yeah. others, Kevin, I mean, I mentioned the bucket of soapy water. Is it, do some of them simply just need a good clean? No, um, what happened was um, I got a report to the senior engineers and the director of roads, uh, Patrick Barrett, who is very helpful in, in ensuring that our signage is in order. Um, and he did pass around the word to all and sundry, all his senior engineers, uh, go and check to see if it's possible to clean those signs up as soon as they can. And in fairness, I think in his own Bandon area, when, when when the engineer met in Bandon area, they have now found um, some detergent, which is quite good. Um, right. And uh, they've done Bandon, and Bandon is very clean at the moment now. All the signs have all been done, or the most of them anyway. And we're now moving into Kinsale area, which is was was defaced in no in dreadful in a dreadful uh, scene going through, um, and they'll start the off in Kinsale now in the next couple of weeks to do a full deface on all those signs. And in actual fact, Patricia, some of the signs have got to be replaced because they're now grotty, and they're they're faded and a whole heap more things. So we may have to replace some of those signs as well. Completely. Is, is there an annual budget just for the maintenance of road signs? No. Oh, okay. There's no, there's no such thing as that. What we do is um, where the signage is um, is green or, or grotty, whatever it has to be. Um, it has to be done out of municipal district funds, which is the local fund, and there is no such thing as a county fund for that. So Tra- Transport Infrastructure Ireland, they have responsibility on the national roads for the well, road they sense. would have on the national roads, yeah, okay. and secondary roads, they would have that, yeah. And are, the they, region, are, they, are, they, are they, are they, are they up to speed, or are they? Well, they do in actual fact. They, are, they have to replace a good few signs lately. I've seen a number of major signs now who are uh, damaged over the years of we'll say, no treatment as such. They now have been replaced fully, and rightly so. Um, but the other ones, of course, obviously, and the region roads are our responsibility. Region and county roads are our responsibility, and we have to try and find a fund for that uh, on an annual basis. We did ask for a county-wide policy on cleaning the signage once a year, in other words, once every 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 two or three years, maybe, um, and I think that may happen now. Um, but it, it, there, there will be no such thing as a sign cleanage. Yeah, uh, and then you, then you will find then in some very rural areas the foliage. The is, foliage, yeah. yes, um, and it's something we have to look after big time. <clears throat> the, the foliage itself, if it's not <clears throat> cleaned up, it will grow green and effectively annihilate. Any, any kind of a, any kind of a, a decent sign, in particular the yellow signs, when it goes green, obviously it looks, it, they're all the same colour at that stage, and they're absolutely useless, you know. So um, that has got to be cleaned, and there is a detergent for that as well. And I noticed one thing, uh, Patricia, as well, recently that I was up the country, and I noticed that one or two of the counties themselves had a washing a washing facility on a truck. And they were power washing those dirty signs up there. I think I saw it in Kildare as yeah. well about uh, two months ago. And yeah. it's, it's funny, I just had Bannon Colleague Tidy Towns on about, about a, a different issue. I've seen some members of uh, Tidy Towns groups when they're doing their bit of work and they're out with the bucket and the soapy water and, and cleaning signs. So Yeah, well, I tell you, it, 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 certainly, it certainly should be on the agenda. 
where there are very busy roads and tourist attractions and tourist roads. Yeah, particular. particularly for tourists. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, then, and then a couple of people are talking about signs being pointed the wrong way. Stephen says, Patricia, the council keep erecting signposts on round poles. Most of them yeah. eventually turn round the wrong way and that's confusing to motorists. And somebody else, somebody else says, uh, Patricia, you're correct about road signs, but many of them are twisted the wrong way. Also, after turning for a certain destination. There's no indication whatsoever that you're correct or not and it causes people to have to stop at houses looking for reassurance. People can be travelling miles out of the way, particularly in rural uh, areas. Some of the signs are pointing the wrong way. Absolutely. Um, I think we took some action on that a number of years ago because uh, the, the poll the poll itself should have a little a little, we say a little, um, a, a little trigger on, on, on the inside so it couldn't go wrong. That's how it's happening to the older signs as such. And we have improved in big time now as such. But if people have, where their signage has are changing or people have moved them or they've been struck by a truck or a case be, come back and leave the members of the council know and we will get it rectified again. I've done a few of them in my own area recently where um, where the signage has has, has, uh, has moved. I don't know what, what moved it. Was it wind? I don't even know. But certainly it's important that those signs are uh, pointing are, in the right sure direction. The right well, well My- Michael says the stop signs were removed around the Mars Cross area in the Ballon Spittle, Kilbritton area. He reckons it was about two years ago. He did report it to the local office in Bandon and nothing's been done about it. Well, I didn't hear that, no, in actual fact. And okay. I certainly will report to myself today. I will you? Okay. Yeah. Well, done. Will, yeah. well done. All right, no, listen. No, All right, keep us updated, uh, Kevin. In the meantime, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Uh, that is uh, County, Fine Gael County Councillor Kevin Murphy. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A huge reaction to my piece with uh, Fine Gael Councillor Kevin Murphy in the last hour about dirty road signs. And in particular, you know, it can cause confusion to tourists. We're coming into the tourist season. We're hoping for a busy one kicking off this weekend uh, for Easter. And obviously the knock-on effect then is it can create a danger if somebody's travelling on a road and there's a road sign saying, you know, that you're coming off a minor road onto a major road and somebody's unaware of it. I mean, you just don't even want to think about the accidents that can happen. And then the frustration for tourists if the directional sign is pointed the wrong way and they end up going off the beaten track and getting lost and all of that. John in Mill Street said signs on minor roads onto main roads. Some of them are barely readable. Signs are up but they're so dirty you simply cannot make out what is on the sign at all. Marion in Clonakilty says it's the green moss that appears on a lot of uh, the signs. And she says surely there's a simple solution to that. Power hose it off. Some of the signs have been like that for years. But in fairness and in defence of Cork County Council they're trying their best. I mean as Kevin said it's because of the amount of roads largest county in Ireland. We've got the most roads to maintain so therefore we've the most road signs to maintain as well. Gresha says if they cannot clean the signs could they not simply just paint over them and redo the signs with so many people looking for work surely they could arrange some kind of a work scheme to get people to sort out the problem. And Councillor Noel McCarthy was listening to us from Formoy and he said in Formoy last week he actually saw 
council staff who were out cleaning the road signs on the outskirts of Formoy and going through the town itself and he says it's made a massive difference and he says as chair of the Formoy Tidy Towns he said we, they particularly welcome the work that was done by the council staff last week and Councillor McCarthy wants to say well done to Councillor Kevin Murphy because he keeps persisting on this issue. Thank you for that Noel. And Jim says Patricia, a lot of the road signs in the Duhallow area have drawings of the male anatomy on them and some turned the wrong way and as Councillor Murphy said, there should be something on the signpost to stop them being turned around because that is happening. It, now, it can sometimes be blackguarding somebody deciding, oh, that'd be a bit of fun, we'll turn the sign around. But also some of them just over the years, if there's lots of high winds, can get blown around and they eventually end up pointing in the wrong direction as well. But it is an issue that certainly needs to be addressed. But as Kevin Murphy said, if you're living in an area that, that you know and you know that that road, road sign is pointed in the wrong way, get on to the local area office of the council and make them aware of it because unless they're aware of it they're not going to be able to go out and and, and, and sort it out but um, Jim I don't think that's just a problem in the Duhallow area the male anatomy I've been on many many roads and spotted somebody that type of graffiti uh, the thought pattern behind it I have absolutely no idea and listen says Patricia one of the places that comes to mind this is to do with road signs pointing in the wrong direction is the Cady Fields now I had to google the Cady Fields in County Mayor because and I hope I'm pronouncing them right but they are it's an, an area it's a stone age with megalithic tombs in County Mayor, um, an architectural site that I was unaware of and uh, one of our listeners was travelling there a number of uh, years ago and uh, said it was about five years ago. We turned off a road with a big sign pointing that this was the way to the Cady Fields. We travelled for miles in what was a very isolated area without any other road signs. Very, very weird, I can tell you. I'm Irish. You can imagine being a tourist and you're completely off the beaten track. God rest uh, the late gay bird he spoke about our road signs many many years ago and he was a great advocate for road safety as well so there's a road safety issue but there's also the frustration of getting lost and the bad image that it portrays I think as well for tourists and as Kevin said particularly the ones that have all the graffiti that was put up during Covid uh, times and people who didn't thought Covid was a great big scam and they were spray painting on a number of the signs and it just looks awful it just, it's a bad image it really is a bad bad image for an area as well so it's good to see that the council are trying to do their bit to sort it out 0818 103 103 thank you to say a lot of calls and commentary in on that and can I say if you've Outbind Papers today, the Irish Examiner uh, today, a gorgeous picture of a young student putting her phone away at her locker. It's in the Gwail Skull in uh, Carrigaline. And there's a piece on the front page written by Jennifer Horgan, you know, talking about the fact that trying to get teenagers to give up their phones can be like pulling teeth. And for school principals, some of them are adopting a, a plan rather than a ban to tackle the problem and that's exactly what the Gwail Scott and Carrigan line uh, has done because we've had parents and teachers for since mobile phones came out and certainly since teenagers got their hands on mobile phones they've wrestled with this problem of trying to get young people but particularly students in in the classroom to look up from their screens so the principal of the Gwail School in Carrigaline a gentleman by the name of Carol Hegarty says look it wasn't working putting a ban in place so they came up 
they decided to do think a little bit outside the box and he said the school policy was that students should have their phones in their lockers but he said not a lot of students were buying into that. He said phones then were constantly beeping in classrooms, it was disrupting learning you had students who were making all kinds of excuses to go out to the toilet why three or four times a day wasn't that they had bad kidneys they had bad waterworks they were going to check their phone messages particularly if they you know if they, they knew that the teacher was going to keep an eye on them using them in the classroom so they have come up with a phone away box it's a clear box with a lock and a key on it and it goes on the outside of the student's locker and if the student wishes to bring a phone into the school they have to sign a form agreeing that they will keep it locked away in the box during class time and he says Carl Hegarty said it isn't a punitive measure he said we respect the rights of our students to have phones but we also respect the need to learn and pay uh, attention and to, and to do their best and as I say there's a photograph on the front page of the examiner today of the line of typical line of lockers school lockers that you'd see in any school in the cloakroom and on the front of them is this glass perspect box with a lock and you simply put your mobile phone in there well done it'll be interesting to see will other, will other schools pick up on that as well because it is a problem to get young people to put their phone down so that can be a, some will say Patricia it isn't just young people uh, you go out and you'll see the number of adults that are all sitting around on their mobile phones as well where did the art of conversation go how did we survive without mobile phones and then that led to a text and my apologies I, we got this in late last week and just didn't get a chance we had a busy programme the day came in didn't get a chance to get around with it but it kind of ties into this whole thing of that this is younger people and their use of mobile devices and it says it's from Dan in Mallow that says Hi Patricia I like to go to local coffee shops most days I like the idea he says of taking an hour off to relax enjoy a cup of coffee maybe read the paper or maybe meet up with a friend for a chat but even that chill out time is now gone as a treat in the majority of coffee shops due to three combined reasons and Dan shares his thoughts with us he says one Ignorant parents. Two, now these are Dan's words, brash children and three, mobile phones. Now, his theories or his complaint is, why do ignorant adults drag a kid into a coffee shop and immediately stick an annoying children's cartoon on at full volume? It is such an ignorant thing to do, to impose this racket on others because the precious one can't sit for 20 minutes without having a phone glued to his or her face with the volume roaring for all to hear. Coffee shops should ban the use of these phones on the premises, on other customers and also the child. For God's sake, is this not selfish adults? Take your child to the park for a treat not to a coffee shop where the child will have absolutely no interest at all and then they go on to only ruin the only pleasure many adults have in their day. And that's Dan's rant to us and I'm wondering is Dan on his own or have others noticed that when you want to go out and enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning either on your own as he describes life's luxury cup of coffee and a scone and read the paper at the same time or maybe you want to meet and chat with some friends and if at the table next to you there are maybe 
group of adults, two adults, maybe just one adult on their own going in for a cup of coffee and the child isn't going to sit quietly for the duration while the parents or the adults are drinking the coffee. So instead, out comes the phone, on goes the kiddies' cartoons and of course, full volume, everybody else gets to hear what the little one is uh, watching. Is that a common thing that's happening? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to even think, have I seen, have I been somewhere where I've seen, I've certainly seen children uh, withholding a mobile devo- uh, device and I've seen small children with mum and dad giving giving them and it keeps them quiet so that the mum and the dad can enjoy a cup of coffee in peace. Have I, I don't know if I've ever found it annoying but maybe if you're sitting beside somebody and it's very loud and you do want peace and quiet and you're in there for an hour, maybe you want to read the paper and you're trying to concentrate on something, maybe it is off-putting. Anyway, your thoughts while on that. Are you with Dan that the coffee shop owners should insist on a ban that you're not allowed to, if you can bring children in, but the children must remain quiet. And a lot of premises will say that, that your children need to sit down and and be quiet. Uh, But should they go so far as to say, ban them watching anything on a smart device where the volume would be very loud and might interrupt other people who are in there having their teas and their coffees. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can watch up to 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. The Child of a Park Hotel, they're looking for a swim teacher. CVs to HR at childofaparkhotel.com. An accounting technician is wanted for abandoned CVs to info at lloydbowmaker.com. Ground workers are wanted for work in McCroom and Cork City. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. And cleaning staff are wanted for St. Gubbins Nursing Home. That's in Ballyagram. You need to email mora at st.com gubnets at gmail.com You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more This is C103 Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, for motor, home, business farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie There is much excitement around the country for the return of Derry Girls tonight and coming soon is, of course, tonight on Channel 4 at 9.15. The only downside is that this is the final season of this very popular TV show. Jeannie Messenger is a Derry native. She's part of a trio that presents Talking Der- Derry Girls podcast. And she joins me to discuss the final series. Good morning to Jeannie. I don't just join you, Patricia. I join you from my teenage bedroom in Derry on the day that it's happening and it's beyond exciting. I know. And you were at the red carpet premiere last week. Is there huge excitement in Derry for the final series? Oh, well, I wasn't going to bring that up. But since you mention it, yes, we were. We were on the red carpet for the premiere, us and the mayor and all the great and the good. I'm still not quite sure how we got invited along, but uh, the excitement is, yeah, it's palpable. You know, and it has been ever since they had to stop uh, the filming schedule because of lockdown, because this this programme should have been done and dusted and out to the world this time last year. But because of... COVID and whatever, everything got stopped. So it's it's built even more now. I think people are beyond excited. And had they ever done a premiere like that before in Derry? They did for series two, season two. They did season one. I think they just let slip out there because they didn't expect it to be the huge hit it was from 
episode one, Lisa's spoken in the past about how they thought it would be a slow build and it it would be word of mouth. And uh, episode one went out and the world went bananas. And so when it got to season two, they uh, they did have a premiere in Derry, but that was that was before we'd even started the podcast because we only started doing the podcast during um, during lockdown, just as the program launched on Netflix. And Netflix uh, has sent the whole thing even more stratospheric. I mean, the whole world is uh, is desperate for it to get on Netflix so they can see it too. And there's there's people in the states who are blocking fan sites because they're desperate not to have spoilers. <laughs> well, and what do you attribute to the success of it? Well, I think it's the fact that she's she's taken the utterly and totally banal and made it hilarious. I mean, I can just imagine when she was pitching the idea to Channel 4. I mean, can you imagine going in there and saying, I've got this great scene where a family are sat around on a Friday night discussing how many bags of chips they need in the chip order. <laughs> and yet... That, to me, is one of the seminal scenes in the whole thing. It's absolutely hilarious because every family, uh, not just in Ireland, but, you know, around the world, I'm sure, has been in a similar situation where you're trying to get the takeaway order sorted and uh, hilarity ensues. But you don't sort of see it, I don't think. But Lisa's got a great way of shining a light on things like that and just bringing out the absolute madness of it. Plus, Derry's class. And has it been good for the city of Derry from a tourist point of view? Oh, beyond good. I mean, looking looking back, Derry was only ever seen on TV for negative things. It was black and white, and it was in the news, and it was bad, and it was it was always just bad news. If you mentioned Derry, it never really had anything joyous connected to it. And then suddenly you see it looking beautiful, the sun shining, there's big drone shots over the cityscape. And funny, I heard the we interviewed the the director, Michael Lennox, last week, and he described Derry as a mini San Francisco. Now, I don't think I'd go that far, but, you know, he said that the the landscape and the, the hills and whatever just lends itself to big cinematic moments. And um, he reckons that uh, Derry hasn't seen the last of film crews, both for... Uh, for films and shows maybe in the future. So maybe not more Dairy Girls, but certainly brilliant, not more films. And, and, and like the premiere was held in the Cinemaplex in, in, in Derry. Was, uh, what, I mean, this is made for TV. How, what was it like watching it on a big screen? You, you, you got to see the first two episodes and I know you're sworn to secrecy and can't tell us anything that happens in episode one or two. But what, what would, did it translate onto the big screen? Um, it 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 did and it didn't. Um, it didn't for me because I was right on the front row. So I spent the entire two episodes looking up the actors' noses. <laughs> so uh, it, from that point of view, it was it was a bit distracting. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing it on the small screen tonight because uh, Lisa pointed out that. It was never ever meant. It was never meant for cinema. It was meant for TV. The director filmed it for cinema, but she yeah. envisages it being a TV program. So you don't miss anything by not seeing it on the big screen. But um, you, you asked me a wee bit earlier there about tourism in Derry, and uh, I was in the town uh, last week, the day of the premiere, and um, I don't know if you must have seen it online. The fabulous mural of the Derry girl yeah. that's in the city centre, yeah. and Michelle has her two finger pose. Uh, in that, and they'd gone up last Thursday in time for the premiere, and they'd changed the mural, so Michelle is now holding three fingers up. 
So if, if anybody ever tells you, gets sends you a picture going, oh, I'm in Derry today, can't try many fingers, Michelle. Well, up. And if, it's only, <laughs> if it's only two, they're lying. <laughs> I have seen more people standing in front of that mural on Instagram and Facebook. When everybody goes to Derry, you have to have your photograph taken in front of that mural. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it is the, it's the city's number one tourist attraction, is it? Uh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, you know, for sure. You can't go past it without there being hordes of people there having pictures taken. Um, you know, there's there's Dairy Girls tours, like specifically for Dairy Girls fans. There's afternoon teas in the hotels. Um, you know, their faces greet you when you land at City of Derry Airport. You know, we're we're very, very proud of them. And, you know, we know that they're very proud of us and very proud of Derry and you know they've 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 certainly put Derry on the map for sure. Not just um, in this country, but right around the world. There's you know we we got more response from the states of people saying, well, where's the best place to stay in Derry when we're over? Because we have to go to Ireland, and you know Derry has to be top of our list. And you know they're they're asking us things about colloquialisms and and that, but they're actually more interested in the place itself and people because they know they know that the people are as fabulous as they're portrayed in the program. And on the afternoon tea, do they serve cream horns? They do serve cream horns, but I wouldn't thank you for one. They're hideous creations, cream <laughs> horns. I don't. I, I'm not a cream horn, and as Grandy Joe will tell you, a cream finger it was. Yeah, <laughs> a, a cream finger. He wouldn't have gone. He wouldn't have gone courting any woman with a cream horn. <laughs> He'd have, been, he'd have been he'd have been left at the, the whatever station it was that he met her at. Now you, Mary Louise and Pauline, who present the talking uh, Derry Girls, you were the original Derry Girls when when the series when it first came on the screen. I mean, did it remind you of your own teenage years? Well, it it didn't. It didn't. I mean, when it first came on, we watched it from behind the sofa because you have that feeling of. Oh my God! What if it's what if it's rubbish? You know, and when it came on and it was absolutely fabulous, we were just like, oh wow! You know, it was like a sharp outlet of breath. But my my own teenage years, you've been very kind to me by suggesting that I was a teenager in the nineties because I was actually working in the time in the nineties when it. Set. But I mean, a lot a lot of it, you know, the whole family setup is is exactly the setup that I grew up in. I mean, Ma Mary's kitchen is my mother's kitchen. Even the units are the same olive green. Um, so, you know, the the whole, the, the setting of it and the fashions, or should we say lack of fashions, are are, are so uh, spot on. But, uh, you know, the the, pe- the people have always been warm and fabulous. And I mean, your own brother married a dairy woman, mm, forget what happens. So, you know, absolutely. you know, that's... <laughs> We must have, we must have something going for. And just just on, just on the subject of that, and you know, Derry, you know, the wee English fella who is a Derry girl now. Let's face it, you know, people in people in Derry said that. Well, sure, that wee English fella will be the wee English fella should he live in Derry till he's a hundred. And you know, my my dad came here sixty over sixty years ago, and people still refer to him in Derry as the wee free state man. And you know, he's more Derry now than he ever was Clonmel. But yeah, you know, yeah. it's. It, it is that thing, but it, it's it's the dairy way that you know you might be the wee English fella or you might be the wee free state man, but um, you know dairy will embrace you. It'll wrap you up in a huge dairy welcoming blanket and it'll love and support you because look, Tricia, you might be down there in Cork, 
but we're all dairy girls after all. <laughs> now, Lisa McGee, her, I mean, her writing is so, so clever and her comedy is so spot on. But but the series, it, it doesn't shy away from talking about the story of the Troubles. No, no, it doesn't. And, you know, and in a lot of ways, um, the, power, the power, it's, it's whenever you get the, what, they, what we refer to as the sucker punch, when the troubles do come in to what are often very joyful, happy scenes, they really kick you off your feet, which is, you know, the way it was when we lived here. You know, you'd be going about your everyday life. You'd be at the school disco, you'd be doing stuff, and you'd walk out the gates and be told of some horrendous atrocity that had gone on. Or, you know, you asked about my youth. You know, we have times when... We we were escort we were escorted from the school by the police or not by the police by the priests. So yeah, that was there was a slip. You know the priests used to come and escort the kids out of the school because if there was going to be a riot. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Nobody, nobody would throw a stone if there was a priest in the way, but they, you know, they'd throw whatever at uh, at the army who were in the bunkers beyond. So, you know, the that sort of thing where your everyday life's going on, the humor and the madness is happening around you, but life goes on, life goes on, you know, and and Derry has always had a very gallows-like humor. You know, we've got a very dark sense of humor in Derry. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I don't. I'm sure. I'm sure you've read the Seamus O'Reilly book. Did you hear Mammy die? I did. Yeah. Because, I did. because if ever if ever you wanted an indication of Derry humour, you know, the fact that he can tell so hilarious the story of him and his siblings being left without a mother at such a young age and the tragedy of that. But it's so hilarious. And I, you know, I I have I have this theory that if he hadn't lived in Derry, I'm not sure that he would have had that same stoicism and that same sort of ability to see the humour in the horror that he was surrounded with. 
And one of the best, one of our best loved characters, I think I love all the characters in Derry Girls. Oh, Sister but Sister Michael. Michael, of course, she's one of our own, uh, Siobhan oh. uh, Maxweeney. You're a big fan of Sister Michael as well. She's my spirit animal. Yeah. I love <laughs> Sister Michael. And I haven't, you know, I've seen a couple of episodes. All I had seen was uh, the trailer that you you just played out there. And I'm fairly sure my all time favourite line was in that trailer where she says, have you lost your actual mind? <laughs> and that's, I, I've been saying that at least once a day since I heard her say it because <laughs> it just sums her up so brilliantly. Ah, and I was I was very disappointed she wasn't on the red carpet. I know I know I shouldn't be allowed to say I was she's, disappointed she's, in she's, anything she's about in, the premiere. She's in out of the country. She's in, in Spain, in France, isn't she? Did I hear? She is, yeah. yeah, I yeah. So I stalk her on Twitter so she, that's yeah, the only reason yeah. I know she's in Paris. <laughs> and, the, and the other <laughs> lovely thing for the three of you uh, and the podcast, you got to be extras. We did. Well, we, we did um, ask Ask Lisa last week when we interviewed, you know, how bad does an extra have to be to end up on the cutting room floor? And uh, she was very quiet on that subject. <laughs> we know we know we were there and we sucked up the atmosphere. We know what scene we're in, but whether we actually made it into, into the final cut, she uh, she claimed she didn't know, but I think that may have been her way of saying, actually, no, you didn't. But uh, And did you but know was, what the scene... great to be there. Because obviously, did you know what the scene was about? Were you able to, were you all mad trying to work out what the scene is going to be? Um, it was very obvious oh, uh, when we were in costume and makeup and it was very obvious when we arrived what was happening. But there were elements of it that we still don't know uh, because we made a point of trying not to find out what exactly was going on. And it, 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 it will make sense at some point. I was. We'll, we'll address it in the podcast. Okay, but, uh, all right, and, it, and, and it, it's a big, it's a big, big scene. Yeah, and I know um, there there has been some spoilers, but um, you know, you it ruins it for people when when the spoiler comes out. But in particular, in episode one, there is there there's a famous somebody very famous appears in episode somebody one. Somebody uber famous. I mean, this person is so famous that when they were setting up the scene and the person sort of uh, is in the periphery. I gasped out loud at who I thought it was. And then when the reveal happened, I went, I've lost my actual mind. I don't believe this. So um, I went from being impressed to being uh, beyond words when I actually saw it. And that's in tonight. That's in tonight's episode. And that is tonight's. Okay. You, you will know exactly what I mean. Okay, all right. And, uh, and as I say, I know you, you, you spoke to Lisa McGee on the red carpet last week. This is it. There's no hope of another Derry Girls. She's she's adamant about that. This well, is the last series. It's definitely the last series. Um, she hasn't completely ruled out a film, though some of the, the, the cast uh, have said that it's definitely over for them or whatever. So it could be a spin-off. And I think she just she just wants to rest for a couple of days prior um, to thinking what comes next. But you know, it's it's been so huge uh, on Netflix or whatever. I would be astonished if uh, there wasn't uh, a film of some description. Yeah. I mean, we certainly haven't heard the last of her um, uh, as a comedy writer because uh, she's 
she's too funny not to not to make us laugh again. And it's launched sure. the careers of many of the stars as well. It's been good oh, for yes, a lot of the has. stars. Yeah, yeah, they've done really yeah. well. All right, and people can pick up on your podcast, which is excellent, can I say? It is Talking Dairy Girls Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, uh, the three of you do a great job uh, on it. Listen, uh, Jeannie, we're all looking forward to it tonight and to the entire uh, series. Uh, We'll leave it there. Thank you for that. And I need to fess up now and say, in case people said, did you say her name is Jeannie Messenger? Yes, she is related. She's my niece and I'm very proud of her. (laughs) Listen, thanks a million for chatting. Look after yourself. And stay safe. Bye bye, bye bye. That is uh, Jeannie Messenger from the Talking Dairy Girls podcast. And the last series is on tonight. It starts tonight on Channel 4 at 9.15. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Incognito is Ireland's biggest online art sale in aid of the Jack and Jill Foundation with well known artists and celebrities all donating pieces for sale to discuss this year's art sale. I'm joined by Cloda Hogan, who's Head of Communication with the Jack and Jill Foundation. Good morning to you, Cloda. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. This is the sixth year. Has it very much grown over those six years? It has absolutely grown over the six years. When you think about it, we used to have an in-gallery exhibition. And for those who aren't familiar, it's an online art sale in aid of Jack and Jill. But in the first few years, it was an in-gallery exhibition and we used to exhibit actually in Dublin and in Cork. But with the onset of COVID, we had to obviously change things up and keep things safe. So we um, went online, as a lot of of fundraisers did. We had to make sure that, you know, obviously from a Jack and Jill perspective, fundraising is essential to keep the service going. We have five million to um, generate each year to keep our service going. So we had to pivot, as the rest of us did, through COVID. And we put it online. And actually what we found, um, Patricia, is really interesting is that we got more markets, more people were interested in it. We've got artists from all over the world um, donating their artwork to Incognito. And in fact, then in in return, we've got people from all over the world buying Incognito artwork. So it's, it's brilliant. Really it's, it was, yeah, I, and yeah. I remember talking about it last year. This was one of the real pluses out of COVID. There wasn't many pluses out of the pandemic. But no. from a fundraising <laughs> point of view, it certainly was. And And it's different to any other art sale in that... You don't know who painted or drew the actual piece. This is the thing that we find is magical and a bit special about Incognito. So you select a piece, we've 3,200 pieces on our website, incognito.ie, which is available to view now. And you will select a piece based on the fact that you love it and you'll put it into your wish list. And um, hopefully you will get that. And the artist is revealed after the sale has closed. So the beauty is that you're investing in a piece of art for €65 Euro that you simply love. And then the added bonus is that when the artist is revealed, um, when you receive that postcard in the post, their details are at the back of that postcard. So it's a lovely way to connect the artist with the person who has such an appreciation for their art. So it's really grown as a community over the years as well. Um, it's something quite special and we appreciate so much the artists who give so kindly their talent to Jack and Jill and to Incognito. We have 93 big-hearted Cork artists um, like Tina Reid from Skibbereen. We have Deirdre Buckley Cairns from Skull, Tom Stacey from Douglas um, and Shane O'Driscoll from Cork City and then 
the fabulous Lyra from Bandon amongst those. Um, and we've 1,200 in total, all of whom donate their artwork so kindly for this brilliant fundraiser. OK, so seeing really as, as you've mentioned the wonderful <laughs> Lyra from uh, Bandon, she's on the uh, the other line. Good morning to you, Lyra. How are you? How's it going? It's great to chat to you, well, well, great to chat to you. Is this your first year taking part in Incognito? It is, yeah. It's my first year. Definitely won't be my last. They still have me back after revealing my art. I might get invited back with fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, it was great. I loved it. I found it so therapeutic. But the added bonus of that I was being able to do something to help this amazing foundation. So I'm honoured to be an artist involved. I was supposed to do three and one of my paintings ran and it was a big brown blob. So I said, mm-hmm. I cannot give them that. So I'd be mortified. So there's two of my art pieces in there ready to go. And what were you given a brief? No, just be as creative as you want and whatever springs to mind. And I just sat down. I really looked at the charity, you know, the fabulous work they were doing, the kids they were helping, the family they were helping. And I done two pieces that I think reflected that uh, for me as a foundation. And when you reveal what mine is, you might be able to see see the kind of similarities and how I kind of saw the foundation myself. And, Cl- and Clodagh, is Lyra allowed to give any hints about what her, what she submitted? Absolutely it... not. That no. would be spoiling <laughs> all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> Colours. I was saying, well, the blonde bra bone is gone. I wonder if it's brown reflected in the other ones. Uh, pro- probably <laughs> probably not. And of course, Lyra, anyone that has, you know, has, has seen you on, on TV or in person will know you've got that wonderful sense of style uh, about you. Do you create a lot artistically? Do you paint? I don't, actually. And you know what? After um, being involved in Incognito, it's something that I actually have done since making my postcards because I just found it so relaxing. And I was like, this is actually a lovely way to spend an afternoon. So I've actually taken it off a bit afterwards. I mean, I haven't improved, but I've definitely (laughs) taken it off. I mean, it's helping my mind, so... Um, I won't be going into a profession. I'll stick to the singing, definitely. I'll leave the rest of the Paul Costello and all them. <laughs> and you can, st- well, you can start working on next year's three, so you'll have them ready when when, when they, they come knocking. Uh, Clodagh, oh, g- yeah. g- give me an idea of some of the other uh, leading artists and famous people who have chipped in like Lyra has. Well, it's just we're so honoured. I mean, each year it, it's incredible how people just turn up for us it, it, and for our families. It, it just it blows my mind. So we've got... Um, um, Robert Bala, Abigail O'Brien, Mick O'Dee, Mazer, um, Asbestos. We've a lovely mix of, like, say, Peter Curling, like, amazing artists, traditional artists, emerging artists. And then we've got these kind of um, musicians who have so kindly given their time as well. So we've got Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones, Andrea Core from the Corps, um, uh, Christy from Aslan, uh, Samantha Mumba, Damien Dempsey and Robert Grace. And as Lyra um, mentioned earlier, Paul Costello has been a, a long-standing supporter of Jack and Jill's, so we're proud to have him among the mix. And actually, do you know who I, um, I, uh, my childhood, and this really harks back to my childhood, is Don Conroy from The Den oh, on RTE. Yeah. So he's, he's just been a fantastic supporter as well. And he said, actually, that, you know, if it... it Incognito is a great way of introducing people to art. As Lyra said there, she's discovered now, rediscovered this love of art and creativity is clearly in her bones. Mm. And it's 
just lovely for people, whether you're the artist and you're creating and you know you're you're giving to a good cause and helping these families. We've 51 families in Cork at the moment under our care. And, you know, we're 25 years old this year, which is remarkable, but we've helped 337 families over that time in Cork alone. So it's quite a legacy and it's amazing to, to be able to support local families. You know, you know, by just um, purchasing one of these really fabulous pieces of art yeah, that you can collect over time um, that you're giving to a local family it's going yeah. directly into a home you know, near you and, yeah, so and I, I always say Claudia when we speak about you know Jack and Jill because of the nature of the families and, and the little ones that you help many of them are families that you know we don't even know because we never get to see because many of them, you know, they're just stuck indoors with their with their little one because their little ones are so unwell. And that's where Jack and Jill, the role you play in those families lives is incredible. And and I've spoken with many parents over the years who just speak so highly of Jack and Jill. So you're to be absolutely commended um, for that. So it's a wonderful. Thank you. It's it's a a brilliant, brilliant organisation. And I have to say that, you know, those families, some of them, you know, they'll have more or less an ICU in their front room. You know, such as the the need for equipment and and things like that. And we often think of the siblings of of our little Jack and Jill kids as well, because often so much focus is given to a child who is more vulnerable. But uh, the gift of time is what the money goes towards the family. So we're enabling, you know, a Jack and Jill nurse to go into the home so that that child is minded by a specialist and then the family can go out. So mum can go for a coffee with a pal. They can go down to the GA pitch and shout from the sidelines for a sibling. You know, all these important things that, you know, the rest of us take for granted. That's what we're giving this gift of time to families, which is so important. So mm-hmm. by helping with with um, Incognito, you know, Lyra and all these amazing artists are giving back. And indeed, those who are purchasing the art are doing the same thing. Terrific, terrific. And Lyra, you mentioned the music. What are you up to musically? I'm ready to hit the festival stages now this summer. I've been waiting now for two years, so I'm going all guns blazing. Pedal to the metal, I'm going. Every stage that will have me, I'll be there. Okay. So that's my plan of action. <laughs> we look forward to that. Was Did you find the lockdown hard? Yeah, it was hard, you know, because I think I was just ready to... I was just ready to go. I was just ready to soar. I'd just done my first headline Irish tour and I was ready to get going. But you know what? I have more music now. I feel like I'm a better rounded person. I know what I've missed. I know I want to do this the rest of my life. So now I'm going to have fun with it and I'm going to enjoy the road ahead. So. Well done. Well done. And we're, all very, we're all so proud of you here in Cork for, uh, for yeah. sure, uh, Lyra. So, uh, Claude, 65 euro, we should have mentioned that. That's, that's the asking price for every yes. piece. And some of these some of these are obviously very valuable. Um, these pieces, all of them are very uh, valuable because they're unique. Um, so it's really a brilliant um, campaign. And what I would um, suggest that people do is go on to incognito.ie today, register for your account and start your wish list because come the 21st of um, April when the sale is taking place, all of these, if you have your wish list, all of these postcards are going to go into uh, an algorithm, all these beautiful artworks. And it's then like a lottery system. So you can't win if you're not in. 
as they say. So get onto incognito.ie today and hopefully you'll be able to secure one of your favourite artworks. Okay, fingers crossed because oh, I, 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 I didn't win any, I didn't get anything last year. I was absolutely gutted about it. So oh. I'm gung-ho that I hopefully, I'll hopefully this year. I was there, I was there and I was checking and checking and going, oh God, all the pieces are gone. Anyway, listen, it's fantastic. We wish you good luck with it once again, Claudia. Lyra, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, good all luck on, on, on the festival circuit for you and uh, we'll chat again soon. Thank you so much. Take care, girls. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Clodagh uh, Hogan there from the Jack and Jill Foundation and the wonderful Lyra from Abandon. 0818 103 103. Our John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts and comments uh, coming into the programme. I mentioned the KD Fields, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right there in uh, County Mayo, because someone, I think it was Jim, had referenced it when we were talking about road signs and road signs being turned the wrong way. And about five years ago, he was trying to find these um, spectacular fields in County Mayo. And of course, the signpost had been turned the wrong way, and he got lost and ended up in a very rural uh, a- a- area. Uh, Michael says those KD Fields are spectacular and very interesting. He says, well worth a visit. They're a few miles west of Ballycastle in North Mayo and he, Michael says furthermore the fee, the cliffs in that region are actually he says more spectacular than the cliffs of Moher yeah I mean I suppose that's the one thing that we do have an absolutely spectacular country to explore and visit and I think a lot of people particularly with the staycations over the last couple of years when people weren't able to go abroad I think a lot of us including myself we discovered parts of this country that we never even knew existed beautiful beautiful parts of the country and of course I think our own county of Cork I'm always selling our own county of Cork particularly West Cork and East Cork I mean we've got the coastline we've got stunning coastline as well but thank you Michael for that if I'm ever in County Mayo I certainly shall check it out and just on road signs a Killarney listener is saying that this is something a couple of people are saying why did the council put the put the directional signs on circular poles because they can be easily then moved or even it could just be wind you know if there's constant high wind in an area it can blow the signs uh, around this Killarney listener says if they made those poles square then the tricksters and the people who think isn't wouldn't it be funny to turn that road sign around they wouldn't be able to turn it and it wouldn't get affected by the wind this Killarney listener cannot understand why that hasn't been done in the past and then on the phones now there was two issue on phones that I mentioned there was the one from the Gwale Skull in Carrigaline it's making the front page of the Irish Examiner today where they have come up with these their perspect boxes that are on the front of all of the lockers of all of the pupils in the Gwale Skull in Carrigaline and they can bring their phones uh, to school but if they bring their phones to school it's, it's called a phone away box they have to lock it into this perspex box and they all have their individual key and if a student w- wishes to bring a phone to the school and they sign a form agreeing that it will be kept in the locked box during class time and it seems to be working quite well in the Gwale Skull in uh, Carrigaline. Martin in Clonakilty says he's got relatives who live in Germany and they have a system in all of the schools there that the phone signal is automatically blocked as soon as you go onto the school premises and enter the school building. Then at lunchtime, the signal is released, which means the young people can have access to the phone and they can send text or they can call or they can go on uh, the uh, internet. But the signal is blocked 
during all of the school day when everybody is in the classroom. They've got special signal blocking equipment. Now he says there is a room for teachers if they need to make a call for for an emergency. But he says for all of the students, they're not able to access the phones, even if they have their phone on them. Because a lot of you know, schools try to do, they ban them completely. But I think many schools will tell you that really hasn't worked and children will find other ways and young people find other ways to smuggle in the uh, phone. But by banning, having the technology to ban it. And uh, Martin and Clannan Kilty saying, wouldn't that be a good idea for all schools here to put the system in place whereby, and I don't know how easy that is to have a mobile phone blocking system in place for schools but he reckons it's perhaps it's something that could be looked at and then I also mentioned we've got a big reaction to this this was Dan who had messaged us from Mallow and he was complaining about in his words he feels very selfish uh, parents who go into coffee shops and restaurants and they bring their small children with them and instead of finding something to entertain the smallies who are going to get bored when the parents are in having the cup of coffee and maybe chatting with friends, they hand them their the parents' mobile phone. Are you talking about young children? It's not that they're on their own mobile phone. And then they'll put on a kiddie cartoon, but they'll have the sound up really loud. And Dan said it's just so annoying because he likes to take an hour out of his day, go into a cafe, order a cup of coffee, maybe a scone and a bit of jam on the side and read his newspaper or he might want to hook up with friends and he said it's just really distracting to have this constant what he called racket coming from mobile phones with children watching cartoons so many people I have to say are agreeing with Dan Caroline in Reina Screener says in general people with young children are using mobile phones far too much to entertain or distract their children children should be able to observe life happening and look at nature and look at what's going on around them without having their phone without having a phone stuck in their little faces and once you get children into the habit of giving them a phone to keep them amused it's very hard then when you go anywhere to take the phone away from them because they'll constantly be annoying the parent uh, to get them so Caroline is pointing the finger to the parents and saying parents shouldn't I I suppose it's okay if there's somewhere where you go where you need to distract but don't do it so often that it becomes a habit for the uh, child Eileen in in a Shannon listened with interest to Dan and says I totally agree with Dan what is annoying if you're in a cafe uh, people watching videos on their phones with the sound, sound on so loud it isn't just children adults are doing it as well either mute the sound or put headphones on please and watch what you want to watch yourself on your phone but don't have it on full blast for everybody else to hear and Eileen and Shannon agrees that it is total ignorance because that was actually the word that Dan used in his message to us earlier as well Ross said spot on Dan it actually puts Ross off going into places children running around Ross says I've complained in the past and all I get is abuse from the parents someone else says totally agree with Dan parents are simply so selfish prams says this listener also a bit of a joke they'll hardly fit in the door of the cafe and the parents insist on bringing the prams in they take up so much room that the cafe the staff and the other customers have to manoeuvre around them Eddie and Ovens totally agrees with Dan hi Patricia I would also agree with Dan um, but I'll take it it's not just cafes when you go on a bus I've been on a bus where a person was listening to prayers being recited on their mobile phone and somebody else had the radio on at the same time so you had the two sounds competing 
you'd somebody listening to prayers and then you'd somebody listening to a radio station. I don't know what radio station it was. Uh, and it was all, the, the two sounds were competing. This listener says, I believe that the bus drivers are under so much pressure. It really is painful. I think bu- bus drivers should be able to tell them to silence their mobile phones or switch them off. Surely it's a health and safety issue unless it's absolutely uh, necessary. And I have to say, I would if I was ever on a bus or even on a train and I wanted to watch or listen to a podcast or whatever, surely you'd bring your headphones, earphones with you, headphones. Well, I mean, why would somebody sit there and expect everybody else sitting close by them on a bus or a train to listen to what's going on? I, mean, I don't think I've ever, I've ever been on, I haven't been on a bus in, in so many years, but trains, I've been on trains and I've seen people with just popping in there their earphones and uh, listening but that's just yeah that's unfair and everybody else uh, travelling I'm shocked to hear if that is very very uh, common uh, thank you for your texts to 0862103103 Hi Patricia do you know when we can expect to get the extra fuel allowance uh, thanking you I don't because I only mentioned it this morning because it is been spoken about and it's been brought to Cabinet is it today or t- it's tomorrow? It's expected to get signed off tomorrow. There's a n- number of issues have been mentioned because what happened was yesterday you would have had the three coalition leaders meeting with the Minister for Public Enterprise, Michael McGrath, and the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, and they all met to finalise the measures and, you know, they're all being done to address the rising cost of fuel, food and energy. So they agreed, what, you, what can we do, what can't we do? And then they bring it to Cabinet tomorrow. So it's tomorrow it gets signed off on so it's only tomorrow when we get the actual detail of exactly what has been leaked at this stage will we get any kind of a time frame as to when we expect that to happen. So no, as of now, I don't have a date for you. But it is expected that it's going to be paid in one lump sum, the €99, Euro, rather than be given out at weekly. 0818103103 and John in Cove is thinking about the Ukrainian refugees that are coming to this country. John says when they are eventually housed say for example by Cork County Council or by Cork City Council would the council then start charging them rent? The reason that John is thinking about this is at the moment there is a rent review going on by Cork County Council. Tenants are having their rent increase because obviously rent is based on the amount of money that comes in to the house. John thinks it's very unfair there's a rent review going on at the moment because people are finding it tough to pay all of the bills with everything else increasing outside of now a rent increase as well and he's wondering will the Ukrainians end up having to pay rent to Cork County Council or Cork City Council or indeed any other local authority Uh, the fact they're coming as refugees and it is the government are going to house them I would imagine no but I, I don't know for sure because I know a number of Ukrainian refugees literally hit the ground running, bless their hearts, considering the, what they have what they have left behind in Ukraine. Many of them have got work and many more of them are looking for work. So I suppose when they are working and earning, they would be in they would be in a situation where they would be able to pay and many of them want to earn and want to pay for their own keep. So I don't know. I simply don't know the answer. If it is council housing stock they are given, will they be expected to pay rent, particularly if they go out to work? I don't know. Maybe somebody knows the answer to that. 0818 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. 
You're invited to take part in a Climb with Charlie fundraiser. I know now the big weekend is finished, but there's still some of the Climb with Charlie's going on. There's one happening this week. You're invited uh, to join the Mallow Community Health Project and the Strollers Walking Group. It's this Thursday, 14th of April at the Nanonagle Centre in Kilavollen. The walk starts at 2pm and the walk is about 45 minutes. You're advised to wear good walking shoes as there is a rugged section that could be slippery, particularly if the day is wet. Please God, the sun will be shining for it. But all donations then, as with all of the climbs with Charlie, go to Irish Motor Neurone Disease Association and Pieta House. Adult social dancing continues at Fremont Community Hall. It's on every Sunday and it's on next Sunday, Easter Sunday from 3 to 6 p.m. The wonderful Michael Collins will take to the stage on Easter Sunday with Glenn Flynn on the following Sunday. And a Texas Hold'em card game. This is in aid of St. Mary's Alzheimer Day Centre in Mallow. Now, it's been rescheduled and it'll take place this Friday, Good Friday, 15th of March, 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the Mallow GAA complex in Carrigoon. Now, tickets 20 euro are still available from the Mouse Trap Bar or by contacting the organiser of the Texas Hold'em that's Billy O'Connell on 087 78 and please note that anyone who purchased tickets for the previous cancel event please come along because your tickets are valid this new event this coming Friday Mallow GAA Complex at 4pm Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie and the listener says hi Patricia I keep getting scam calls from England how do I how do I delete them uh, yeah I got a slew of them at the weekend from uh, English numbers as well which hadn't hadn't seen because m- most of the numbers before had been international you know not English ones but further afield the Ivory Coast I kept getting a load from the Ivory Coast and Moldova was another country I kept getting scam calls uh, from but uh, but like you on Saturday I had six or seven with an English telephone number on it um, if you have a smartphone you can block the number but it depends on what kind of a phone you're using but I blocked them on Saturday and I kept getting they just come up with different phone numbers it is very annoying it really is so so uh, annoying but uh, if a smartphone you can block but as I say this blocking doesn't always work but it is worth a try if you have a smartphone and are able to block them. Here's an interesting one that we got in by email to the programme from uh, Martin that has me slightly scratching my head. Uh, Martin says, I'm just wondering if this has happened to anybody else. Last Friday afternoon, I had some sterling bank notes that I needed to convert back into euros. So I went into my local bank. One of the notes was a £50 sterling note, which I'd received from the same bank a few weeks previously when I went in to get sterling. I obviously hadn't used it. And actually, when I tried to use it in the UK, no shop or cafe would accept it. But they never said why and I didn't question them on it either thinking it might just be for, you know, they're being extra careful. You know, the way some shops won't take larger denominations and this is what Martin thought was going on. So anyway, when he went back into the bank, he said, need to exchange this. And they said, no, we can't exchange the £50 notes saying it's out of circulation. So Martin says, I said to the staff, I actually got it here from you a few weeks ago, but they wouldn't listen to me in any shape or form. Only to say, I need to contact the Central Bank of England in order to exchange 
exchange my £50 sterling and get it back into euros just to let other people know that this can happen. So I did a quick Google search to see what's going on with the £50 notes and it seems in in England there's about £19 billion sterling in old banknotes that are still in use. They're the paper £20 sterling and £50 notes, but they're still legal tender until the 30th of September this year year and after the 30th of September they're no longer being legal tender they're then being replaced with new plastic notes with a series of security features on it but the article that I read said that the Bank of Ireland Bank of England obviously after the 30th of September will continue to swap old notes for their face value but they're trying to get people to stop using them now so they were saying well that's of no use to R. Martin who's stuck with £50 what can he do with it to contact now there is is on the article I read there's a, you know the piece that you can click exchange by the Bank of England but when I go down through that a lot of that has got to do with calling into your nearest bank and handing it in and you know and there's no problem a little bit like what we've done in this country previous times with the old currency and you can still the old punt you can still bring in um, I think you've got to do it by post you can still bring it into the central bank and they'll turn the old punts notes into euros but it's a bit like that um, but I'm just trying to see if the, uh, everything I'm reading online is to do with exchanging in person and needing to have identification proof of address and all of that there is an email exchanges at bankofengland.co.uk I would suggest, Martin, that you pop them an email and explain the pickle you are in um, and also see what they suggest that you do. But I'm kind of a bit taken aback that the bank, having given it to you a couple of weeks previously, then say, no, that's not legal tender anymore and therefore won't, won't exchange it for you, particularly bearing in mind that it's still legal tender in England until it says and I've checked this with the Bank of England it is legal tender until the end of September of this year they're trying now obviously to get people to stop using them and, and they, they hope they're, they're hoping that by the end of September they'll always do a lead in that all of the money will be gone and it'll be replaced by this new bank note which is made of uh, plastic so as I, suggest, as I say that's the only advice I can give to you uh, Martin is for you to email them directly and tell them the dilemma you're in and see what they suggest that you do. So that email address is, and it's just gone, there it is, exchanges at bankofengland.co.uk. But I suppose it is a cautionary tale for anybody else who maybe is going to be travelling to the UK on holidays, you know, going over to visit family or whatever. If you end up with some of these notes, you may, may not be able to exchange them back in to and I'm just thinking do I have any notes at home I probably do you know the way you keep the the punt purse you keep the sterling purse the I probably have some as well so it's but they're all being because the, the 10 the, the 10 pound note and the 5 pound note has already gone out of circulation in the UK, in the UK and replaced and now they're they're working now on the 20 pound and the 50 pound note so be aware of that 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862103103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. 
quick text in from Mick in Botford picking up on Dan who was talking about uh, children and if he finds it annoying if parents hand small children the mobile phone so that they can watch a little cartoon while the parents are trying to have a cup of coffee or lunch or whatever and the noise is very loud on the phone because it's turned up so loud for the child and Dan just finds it really off-putting and very annoying when he's in trying to read the paper and have some quiet uh, time. Mick in Butterfin says, I agree with uh, Dan but I have to say it isn't just parents or children who are constantly on their phones or their tablets. I was out for food on Sunday last. There was two women in there. They'd have been in their late 50s. They were sitting at a table. Neither of them put their phone down even when they were eating holding the fork in one hand and the phone in the other it actually turned me off my food said Mick in uh, Botman and they should have been out enjoying each other company instead of their faces stuck in their phones thank you for that Mick to 0862 103 103 Joe Heffernan joins us on this Tuesday afternoon good afternoon to you Joe good afternoon Patricia and before we go into our piece today you want to give a quick mention to your CD sales uh, that are flying out the door I'm told for the community air ambulance yes indeed and just to say that um, our, our our date for ending the uh, the CD sales to kind of wrap up the project, as it were, will be um, the 31st of May, okay. 2022, the last day in May. Um, yeah, the sales are going great. And um, so I'm hoping now that knowing that we're coming to the deadline, to the end of the project, that uh, that all outlets will will do a bit of an extra push for the next month and we'll wrap it up at the end of May. Okay, and then you can yeah. do an official handing over of the money and and all of that and uh, all of that. Yeah. So and I- um, uh, Mike Fitzgerald, who Star Tracks, who was a great help to us, um, uh, he recently received a lovely award from that TV show, A Hot Country. Okay. Uh, and it was for outstanding contribution to country music. So. Congratulations, Mike. Okay, he's a great guy. He really is a great yeah. guy. Okay, now today we want to talk about ruminating because this was something yeah. that a listener contacted you about. Yeah. So, so those people are going to say, Joe, what? Ruminating. Talk to me about yeah. what ruminating is. Well, ruminating, like, it's 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 being, mm, having one's uh, thinking process taken over by uh, an item that keeps on returning, a thought um, that keeps coming back over and over, and um, it just keeps on coming back. And and it's not a healthy thing. Um, you know that um, every hour of the day, or every couple of hours anyway, there it is again. I'm thinking about that again. Uh, what am I doing? I'm ruminating. Um, and what are we talking about, say, a, a negative event that happened in our lives or an argument with somebody or? It could be any of those. Okay. Um, uh, very often it's uh, something we'll say um, from the past, which is being thought about um, almost constantly in the present. Um, it's like as if, do you know the way if a person had um, uh, a problem with a tooth? And they keep on putting the tongue to the tooth um, to kind of uh, check it out that it's still hurting a bit. Yeah. Um, it's like that. Um, we just keep going uh, back to it. Maybe it's that we want to kind of put, um, find a solution or something to the event that we're ruminating about. Um, uh, obviously, it's something 
which is troubling us that we feel needs to be um, solved, maybe. Um, it could be about a regret, um, something that either we did or didn't do um, in the past, or it could be about something to do with last week or a fortnight ago. Um, but it just keeps on coming back. It's yeah, like it's, a person would say, I just can't get rid of it. Yeah, you know? it's like you, you'd hear people, you know, if they have a falling out or an argument with somebody, oh, and I should have said this and I should have said that. And then many weeks later, still in their head, they're having that same argument with the person and it's just over and over and over again. That is exactly it. That yeah. would be ruminating. And... Um, uh, I, I, I suppose it's like pondering the same issue over and over and over. And you'd say like, well, what is a person looking for? Uh, are we looking for a solution? Are we looking to process uh, what what happened or what didn't happen? Um, like, why does it keep on coming back? Obviously, it's... Um, it's reoccurring and it's unresolved and um, uh, a person might say, you know, a regular statement might be, I just can't get it out of, of my, my head. head. Yeah. yeah. And I take it it isn't good for your mental health to be constantly going over something, particularly something that's troubling. Absolutely. And it can get one down. It can cause a depression. It can exacerbate a depression if it's there. It can cause anxiety. It can cause lack of sleep. You know that a person um, uh, wakes up at night and it's the first thing into the head again or in the morning uh, waking up and then like 15 seconds later, bang, there it goes again, ruminating, thinking it through, thinking it through all the time. So what does one do about it? Well, I suppose, like, um, uh, if one can distract uh, oneself, uh, you know, um, whether to... It might be something, you see, that a person would be quite reluctant to kind of talk about, but it would be good to do that, to say, you know, I just can't get this thing out of my head. And um, we'll, we'll assume now that for something in the past that might indeed have repercussions on the present Um uh, uh, what do you think? Um, I'm. It's. I. I just can't get this out of my head. Um, so to kind of talk it over and hope that you would get a listener who wouldn't kind of like solve the whole thing in two seconds and say, "Yeah, forget about it." I mean, that's uh, that kind of uh, toxic negativity or uh, positivity. Um, wouldn't wouldn't be helpful. But someone who would listen and maybe would be able to do a bit of input that might be um, uh, u- useful, you know. Um, uh, picking up a, a novel, a book, uh, reading the newspaper, decide to go and, you know, that bedroom is an awful mess. I'll, um, I'll go and tidy it today. Um, uh, if a person is into it, and especially this time of year now, um, to do a, maybe a bit of gardening, a bit of weeding, whatever, or just to go for a walk, or just to maybe say the likes of the serenity prayer, you know, accept um, the things I cannot change. If it's something that happened 
um, 10 years ago, and um, it's, you know, that one can't, uh, can't change it, well then, to accept it. Um, or uh, it could be that, um, uh, that it might be something that we can do something about. Like you mentioned a while ago there now, maybe, uh, right, we'll say maybe a falling out. Yeah. And I said and he said and I shouldn't have said that and he shouldn't have uh, and that. Um, maybe maybe a person might decide to um, uh, to take action um, to to say, do you know what, I'll, I'll send that email or that text or I'll make that phone call um, because this thing is, you know, annoying me to the extent where um, if I can do something about it, it would be maybe the way to go. Yeah, and reach out. Don't relive the argument, but reach out to the other person and try and find some amicable settlement to it. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. But, it's, it's, but a lot of it's, it's to try and distract. That's what you're talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, if we're totally engrossed in what we're reading or if we're out... Um, uh, trying to tidy the garden or if we're uh, doing a bit of housework or whatever um, and to kind of to be mindful in other words to concentrate on what we're doing when we're doing it rather than kind of on autopilot and still thinking about the thing that we would really get into what we are uh, doing uh, to distract ourselves Okay, Irene has a question says what's the difference between ruminating and post-traumatic stress are they similar? Well uh, one of the things in post-traumatic stress like would be um, flashbacks we'll say just to to find some bit of a connection there um, and they would come unbidden by um, by a trigger it could be a loud noise it could be um, a certain word it could be a story on the news whatever um that 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 would be um a typical thing to go with trauma now this could be like a traumatic event as well traumatic for the person is affected anyway but the thing is um that it's not like an unbidden um out of the blue flashback mm. this is this is very different consciously yeah, thinking this is about almost this there all issue. the time. It's yeah. there all, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I suppose, like, um, uh, if it's something now that we keep going over and over and over, I should have, I should have said that. I shouldn't have said that. That to be gentle with ourselves and to kind of say, look, um, okay, um, it wasn't handled um, uh, very well. Uh, fair enough, but look, um, let's leave it there. Um, uh, you know, uh, there isn't much point in ruining today. We'll say wherever we are now, the 12th of um, April. April. Um, there isn't much point in ruining the 12th of April as well as maybe whatever the 15th of January whenever um, it happened yeah so th- so there's a little bit of uh, particularly if it was a wrong that was done there's a little bit of forgiveness probably in your heart but also you, you need to forgive yourself as well you do you do and and um and and to recognize that maybe it's in a situation where what's done is done we'll say if a person made a financial mistake um uh, and as we know, there were lots of financial mistakes made um, 
uh, back there um, uh, a while. And, um, you know, to be able to say, look, I didn't mean to um, to uh, to make that financial mistake. I meant well. Um, I thought it was a great idea. Uh, it didn't work out. But I need to kind of say to myself now, look, um, you didn't consciously decide to do something wrong. That's how it happened. And to be able to, you know, to accept that and to kind of move on from it. And also learn from that past mistake. And to learn from it that we don't do the same thing again next year. Okay. Yeah. A lot of this goes back to self-esteem, doesn't it? I mean, if, if somebody is ruminating and has the constant troubling thoughts, I imagine their self-esteem is quite low. Absolutely, because um, usually it's, um, it's, a, it's a, a sort of blaming thing. Uh, whichever way you go about it, whether, you know, whether it was something you did or something you didn't do or something that was done to you, um, there's kind of a blaming part of it, of um, uh, I didn't handle that well. I should have done such a thing. Why didn't I say such a thing? You know the way we can have these wonderful um, uh, arguments at four o'clock in the morning and we say everything right and um, we get our point across absolutely brilliantly and a whole lot but we're on our own in bed at four o'clock in the morning yeah. and it doesn't... Wide awake. Mm. Wide, wide awake. No no good night's sleep for you. And you're, you're having the argument and the other person you're having the argument with is probably fast asleep having a great night's sleep. Huh? The, other, the person you're having the argument in your head with is in their own bed having a great night's sleep. Probably fast asleep. <laughs> yeah. And there you are. So yeah. re- relaxation yeah. skills, deep breathing, meditation, all that kind of thing, which help? Yeah. Yeah, I was reading an article there recently by um, uh, a singer in in Dublin, um, Dempsey. Um, Damien Dempsey. Damien Dempsey. And, um, you know, he was saying that uh, in troubled times, that there was a time he would have considered um, uh, meditation and all that as baloney. Um, I think he used a different word, but we won't use that word today. Um, it was on last Sundays, I think, uh, Sunday Independent. And um, I was quite interested in the article. But he found that meditation, um, uh, you know, which I would always associate with deep breathing, um, uh, was wonderfully helpful in troubled times. And maybe, um, almost definitely, that would help with this uh, ruminating as well. Uh, because if one is concentrating on on one's breathing, like I'm breathing in deeply, my tummy is expanding, I'm holding my breath, and then I'm breathing out and my shoulders are coming down. Well, if I'm working at that, if if that's taking up my thinking process, well, then uh, there isn't room, at least for some break in the day, there isn't room for the other stuff um, to be back to it again. So maybe to break the cycle. And maybe if we can get an hour that we didn't think about that issue, well then, in a week's time, it might be two hours. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in a month's time, it might be kind of, I haven't thought about that in an age. Yeah, you know? yeah you're, just, you're, you're breaking the cycle. And of course, mm. uh, talk to somebody, particularly somebody professional like yourself. Yeah, that if the thing is uh, ruining your day, and maybe ruining a lot of your noise as well. Well, maybe you need to go and talk with someone um, in a confidential way 
and that that would, um, you know, relieve the the pressure, as it were. Um, uh, it, it does help to get things out and to talk about them without a doubt. But, um, yeah, this ruminating, the person that rang was, uh, you know, kind of fascinated by the words and, um, yeah... Yes, so okay, we, and, talk, uh, we might talk about that today, yeah. Yeah, excellent. And uh, Joe, uh, G says, uh, love listening to Joe. He always gives such helpful, positive advice and gives us the tools. We mightn't be able to cure everything, but there are certainly many different types of uh, solutions. Have patience yeah. uh, with uh, people who struggle and baby steps. And yes, I agree with Joe. Keeping busy is a great way. And that was what where we started out on this one. That's the, 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 the distraction technique when those yeah. thoughts take over. Just do something to to distract. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because um, you know, if you're thinking about one thing as it were, you're not thinking about the other thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And just very finally, uh, Joe mentioned his CD at the top of the piece. Is is it available in Rathmore or in Killarney? And what's the name of it? <laughs> okay, it's um, songs for the air ambulance, um, uh, and uh, the answer to both places is. Yes, uh, Hickey's in Ratmore, uh, Quills in Killarney. Um, uh, yeah, 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 it is available. Okay, and still on sale. Final push uh, to have it wrapped up by the thirty first of May. As always, pleasure, Joe. Have a lo- have a lovely Easter because it'll be. Um, it'll be gone Easter when we next talk to you next uh, week. So enjoy Easter and uh, thanks a million for joining us on the program. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That or good afternoon, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohopway. His number is 086-834-8145. And a reminder to you that the Premier League Live is back this Saturday on C103.ie with Trevor Welch, powered by Talk Sport. Uh, we'll bring you live coverage of Spurs versus Brighton. That's at 12.30. And then Southampton are taking on Arsenal and that's at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's the Premier League Live Online would now stream live Premier League action with the Now Sports, our Sports Extra membership, your sport on your terms and stream only the games that matter to you most with Now. And you can listen on the C103 app or you can go to c103.ie. And that's where I wrap it up for today. My thanks to... uh, John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and I can see a number of people saying thanks for the piece on Derry Girls earlier looking forward to seeing that uh, someone says what channel is it on it's channel 4 tonight at 9.15 ok until tomorrow at 10 I'm Patricia Messenger a very good afternoon Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.